It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power. Loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Here every week, win, lose, or draw. Talking all things United. This is the United People's Podcast. Yes, people, how are we doing? Welcome to another episode of the United People's Podcast. It's me, it's Jake, and it's Neil. And it's, I'll tell you what, it's quite a significant podcast, this one. We are going to be focusing on, of course, the takeover or the 25% takeover of Manchester United, which could be happening. It's not guaranteed to happen from Ratcliffe. The Qataris pulled out. I'm going to get the boys' opinions on that. We'll speak about Sheffield United. Football's back. We've got seven games now in between. There is another international break in November. It's like, come on, man. It is it's boring. Did you do anything remotely interesting in the last two weeks? Lads? Right, Jake, I'm coming to you first because you, you definitely didn't. <laughs> <laughs> No, no. Um, <laughs> had a couple of my own games, but uh, yeah, other than that, it's... Yeah. Did you score an own goal, yes or no? No. Wow, that's progress then, progress. Yeah, I mean, that was only in training, it, like not in an official game. I never get that close to my own goal, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, Neil, how you doing? Mate? You're, you're, you're looking particularly moist, I can see. I have just been walking in the rain in a soulful manner. What, what's a soulful manner? Soulful. How do you walk soulfully? All you got to do is just walk in the rain, but just kind of look a bit distant as you, anyone that walks past and vaguely kind of just pretend you don't know anyone. No, I just got, I literally got caught short in the rain, basically. There's no real story beyond that. I got absolutely pissed down. But I actually had a good night last night because I don't want to deride international football too much because last night was good. Mate, Rashford, that was a, that was a, we'll speak about our goal. We'll speak about Hoyland. You see that tackle on Hoyland? Like it wasn't a tackle. It was just like, nah, I'm giving up now. I'm just going to, I'm just going to knee him in the back. That'll do. Proper football. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Look, right. <clears throat> Let's dive straight into it. And the takeover that's been going on for 11 months. And we got the announcement on Saturday night, I think it was, uh, that Sheikh Jassim, the Qatari bid, is just completely pulled out. I'm presuming, uh, considering like within half an hour, we heard that Jim Ratcliffe was going through. Like He was obviously told this information. Like, yeah. Uh, I, I want to get your take on it because... My immediate reaction, I did a couple of live shows and I was like, this for me feels like worst case scenario. The concept of the Glazers staying on 
and getting minority investment was my concept of what would be the worst case scenario. Now that the dust has settled a few days later, uh, kind of what's 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 your take on it? Uh, I'll, I'll start with you, Jake. But is it is it is it worst case scenario? Do you think people are going over the top? Do you think this could actually be a good thing for United, or is it just going to be another form of Glazer ownership for the next however many years? I think it's the initially what they probably wanted. Uh, I, I was on the pod earlier in the year. And I said at no point in their original statement did they say that the club was up for sale. It was about looking for a new investment, et cetera. Um, and before you knew it, it was all about full sale against part sale against what anyone else could offer. Um, I think they've had to give more than they probably wanted in 25%. If they could have given less for a large sum, they probably would have. But they've drained every reserve that they've got to be able to borrow money against the club. So it's the only option that they were left with if they still wanted kind of majority stake within the club. I mean, Neil, the way that the bid is being structured, as far as we know, is Ratcliffe is willing to pay significantly more for 25% than than the Qataris were for 100%. And that's how he can afford it. Because if he was to pay that 100% now, he never would be able to. So he wants full sporting control. Um, and I think the main question, two main questions I think that everyone's got, everyone's got about the bid. Number one, how much control do you think he genuinely is going to be able to get from the Glazers contractually, legally, in terms of power of voting and of power of control? We'll, we'll focus on that first and then we'll speak about whether or not you think it's going to lead to a full takeover. But do you think that Radcliffe, because I'll be honest, I genuinely do believe that Ratcliffe would have the best intentions for this club. I think he would genuinely want Manchester United to be the best that there is. But how much is he going to be able to change, do you think? So he, I mean, he's the majority, he'll be the majority shareholder, but there's only one of him. I think that's the, that's the main issue. He hasn't brought a brother along. So honestly, who knows? I mean, it's something we don't, are we, are we going to know that? That's going to be basically. I, th- I think that there's a, there's an interesting there's an interesting take on that now. Is that the thing that we don't know and we won't know until it happens is like what the actual structure of it is because exactly. because of we the, just know the valuation, no, but because of the way that they've they've organised United and the Class A's and the Class B shares having ten times more voting power, it's convoluted, it's complicated. But there is a possibility, and this this is the thing that annoyed me, right? Because I thought right, Ratcliffe can go and buy twenty five percent but the Glazers are just going to pocket that 1.3 bill. They're not going to put that into the club. They never have put a penny into the club. We know that, right? So surely on top of that, we're also then going to need to find investment. Like Ratcliffe might be able to own 25%, but still there's no money in it. And now we're hearing maybe it could be that the Glazers create new shares. Therefore, they dilute their own power, but they don't actually have to sell anything. They don't have to get rid of any shares. It's just more shares are made. And therefore, their voting percentages go down and Ratcliffe comes in. I think you'd be right. I think he could actually be the majority vote on his own, but there's six of them. So they just join up and they'd still have control. Like what That sporting control, like, it, it, by the concept of it, it's going to split Manchester United down the middle. We're going to have a Manchester United commercial and a Manchester United football. The commercial side of things would stay in the Glazers' control. Does that mean budgets are still controlled by them? Or like, where does it where does it stop, and where, like, where does Ratcliffe actually have genuine control, or where would he have? So control? he isn't he sort of. I mean, he set his stall out very much on being in charge of basically not team management but hiring 
Just uh, just anything to do with the footballing side that's not what Ten Hag would do in the remit of. And I suppose the question is, is how qualified is he for that? You know, that's it, we go right. Here's, here's, a, here's a different billionaire. Wicked. No, here's one. Yeah, it's the Disney owner in a way. It's sort of local boy made good. Well, um, no, geez, I got mate. People still fucking use right, that against me, a, man. People still go, "Oh yeah, you call Ratcliffe's a Disney owner." I was like, "Yeah, well, yeah." At the start, he was, and then more information well, came. It was. Out. It was a nice. It was a nice story compared to the shit that we've had, sort of for the for what's, for what's preceded. But it's you know at this point, do we, it's hard to tell. So basically, essentially, he's the valuation of the club is six and a half billion based on what he's he's put in, which is insane money, right? It's insane money. It's well above the valuation. Way, way. So up. is this? And this is not coming from a massive position of really truly understanding what's actually about to unfold but is this because isn't it doesn't he get the chance to then table a bid or take over the entire club in 2026 this this of course is the information that is going to be most prevalent to all united fans he goes ratcliffe has always he's always maintained always maintained that he wanted full control as it's as it's transpired he couldn't put up the money right now that the glazers wanted for that full control and Neither could the Qataris. Like he's saving up. He's going to combine all of his birthday and Christmas money for the next two years till he's got the other four and a half billion. He's going to start a little go, <laughs> a little just giving. But that goes back to like, yeah, everybody was quite understandably reactionary when that because it, you know, full sale or or nothing. But full sale maybe was never even there, as as as, as Jake said. It was. It was, doesn't sound like it was even there. And the, the valuation is so ridiculously sky high that Jasim couldn't get it. Is this just a staging post? Is this phasing out? So he gets two years to essentially come in, fix the football inside as much as he can, if indeed he's qualified to do so, until such time as he either raises investment. But then again, who are the other people that come in? Where's the rest of the money coming from? Who are they going to be? You know, it's, there's so many unknowns. But this, for me, does feel like the beginning of the end of the Glazers. If they're diluting shares, for example, that means they're going to take, they're going to have less, they're going to have less say, they're going to make less decisions. They are going to take the money, yet, which isn't great. It isn't great, but in terms of active control of the club, it sounds like that's I mean, moving like, in the right everything way. is pointing. Everything is pointing towards him having full sporting control. That's that's the words that we keep getting to, and immediate sporting control. So, like you're saying that Ratcliffe, like how qualified is he? Well, we know he's qualified as a businessman. We know he's qualified uh, as being a success, right? But in terms of the football side Edward of things, was a qualified banker. Yeah, right? but in, in terms of the football side of things, like. He got a lot wrong at Nice. The Ineos ownership at Nice for the first couple of years was it's basically a clusterfuck. Like they just made a lot of wrong decisions, bringing the wrong people in, bringing them in too quickly. I think I kind of compared it to, you know, when Moyes got the job and just booted everyone out. Everyone's like, I think it was Muhlenstein. Everyone's like, you should probably keep like at least one coach. I think it might yeah. help you. You're not, nah, fuck that. I know what I'm doing. And Moyes like, ah, oh, shit, I probably should have done that. But as a businessman, his, historically what he's done is found ailing businesses that he has a plan for to turn them around, make them profitable, right? That's how he's made the vast majority of his money. That does sound very much like us. You know, it does. It, if you put it down, reduce it to those terms, as a business acquisition, he does feel like a good person. It's when you start going, he has control of the football side. I mean, he's not going to have control of the football side. He's going to bring people in. Paul Mitchell has been bandied about, right, as somebody that he might. Mate, what a significant to. appointment that would be for our club, man. It really, mm. really, like, even if the Qataris took over, Paul Mitchell was he was touted as one of the leading people that they would bring in. And the fact that he's left Monaco, he's moved back to Manchester because his family's there. It, everything seems to fall into place. And and it's if, if you look at the structure of Nice, right, they've got a chairman, a CEO, a sporting director, 
um, obviously a coach. They've got uh, somebody who works alongside him and they've got about seven or eight different people underneath them, which are kind of commercial sort of things like branding manager and commercials manager and, and shit like that. They've got a deep structure. And United have John Murto and Andy O'Boyle. And neither of them are particularly experienced in what they're doing. Jake, do you... Do you see? Do you see it as the beginning of the end? And do you see it as? Do you expect a lot of mistakes from Ratcliffe at the start, or would you expect him to come in and actually make the right calls kind of straight away? No, I think it probably is the beginning of the end. But it's whether it's whether he is in position to do the full takeover, or whether it kind of he gets other investors who then become important players in. In that, um, I don't think we've ever struggled commercially. Um, if you look at how we've been successful off the pitch over the last ten to fifteen years, we've just always had a backdrop of having to pay so many interest rates and so much um, kind of debt that we haven't been able to use that money in the way that it should have been um, um, against the stadium and, and other things. So, yeah, I see it as the as the end. He will he'll make mistakes, but it's just kind of where he makes those mistakes and he'll, he'll need to put in a plan to kind of start reducing that debt as quickly as possible to kind of, yeah, to kind of offset his investment really. I think, um, I'm, I'm skeptical, but it, it, the the thing is right. If, if the Qatari bid never came in, right. And there wasn't a concept of that to, to United fans about that takeover, then the idea of Ratcliffe coming in as a 25% would have, compared to the situation we had before, would be like, well, that's a, that's a better scenario. But I think it's, it's, it's the fact that we were all, for, for a lot of fans, and look, I'll be honest, I'm really quite fucking happy that Man United will not be having a direct link to the Qatari state. People might say it's not a direct link, and, and I, I'm going to get shit for saying this on a podcast, and I've got shit for saying this so many times, but I, I hate that part of modern football and it might be a struggle and I tell you what the the path back to recovery in terms of footballing results is going to be a lot longer under Jim Ratcliffe than it ever would have been under the Qataris so, so you won't get any shit for that one thing we do know about football fans and people that listen to podcasts and watch YouTube is they're very quiet they don't have strong opinions and they rarely express them <laughs> you'll be fine with that <laughs> well, no, I've, I've, I've been getting pelted 24-7 about it and no doubt right. I will you're right though you are right we've always felt whether we were or not. Well, we were. We were different. We were the different club. And this would not make us different. This would be would be the same as everybody else. You get a sugar daddy. We, of, of all the clubs, commercially probably need a sugar daddy the least. We do not need one. We just so, need someone who's not drunk with the wallet in his hand. Like, mate, we spent over a billion on transfers since like the last 10 years. And you can count on like one hand how many of those transfers have like really worked out. Like even, even looking at Casemiro now, right? And I don't mean this is like, oh, yeah, we you Praise him last season. Yeah, I was praising him last season. He was fantastic. But when you spend over 70 mil on a 30-plus-year-old midfielder, it, you're not looking at a long-term plan. You're looking at something that no. could and, and did work great for a year. We got third. We got Champions League. But because we've gone to a more athletic system, which requires more on the individuals, Casemiro's yeah. weaknesses... Are- We've got to be really careful what we say about Casemiro because, like... I mean, we could be very much accused of short-termism there because at last we were praised. Yeah, he's he's dropped off and he's not had a great start to the season, but he's still, he's not been terrible. No, I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I just mean in the concept of spending 70 mil on a 30-plus-year-old midfielder, it's like you, you know that even if he's fantastic, realistically, 
in two years' time, you're probably looking at the same conversation about that same Would position. We have got Champions League without Casemiro. No, absolutely season. not. I'm not, and I'm not saying he was a bad time. I'm not here to say he was a bad time. I know you're saying 70 million quid's a lot of money. I get what you're saying, but what you know? Yeah, it, it, look, it's the concept. It's, it's the Hoylands, right? It's, it, it's the Hoyland type signings. Those signings that, if you do scout properly and you do nail it properly, he comes in and you're like, yeah, man, he's yeah. He, you can see him being here for four, five, six. You can actually build a, a team that's going to work in cycles and build it around him. Um, and and I think that's a that's a major thing that someone like Paul Mitchell would come in. And hopefully improve and change. Jake. But is is Ratcliffe's kind of regime and prerogative to fix that side of things as the oh yeah sport absolutely in general, that's, that's exactly what it is. So that you know we we don't have the people we have in charge now doing it who've made that many mistakes over a period of time. Um, so it's you know his job to come in clean pair of eyes, whatever level it is, and he goes well this didn't work that didn't work and you come up with a strategy a long-term strategy, so you've, you, you, your next two years to the next five years to the next eight years, and you've got to stick by it. You've got to stick by what your plan is um, rather than have that scattergun approach what we have because every time we don't get in the Champions League, it's like the end of the world and we, we have to fix it immediately because we cannot do yeah. that two years in a row. Where actually, strategically, you might have to go, no, the next two to three years are going to be a struggle but then we're going to be have, then we will have a side that's capable of winning, you know, the important that's trophies. Totally right. Yeah, totally. And, right. I, and I think that's what uh, that's what Ten Hag has brought into the club. I think the the modern identity of Manchester United, I think now over the, the next ten years from from today, will be built around a style of football that Ten Hag is trying to implement. That high energy, high athleticism, high pressing. I think that will become. You know, Fergie had his four four two. Then Carlos Quiroz came in. We had that 4-3-3 with Ronaldo, Tevez and Rooney. You had your identities and your styles. I know what Ten Hag's trying to do. It's not, it's not completely working yet, but more is needed mm. and he needs that support network. A club of the size yeah. of United, man. Ten Hag should only be coaching these players. That's all he should be doing. Whereas at the moment, he's he's been, oh, he's been everything. Yeah. What I would say though, and... I'm, I think it's easy to be quite down on football because there's a lot to dislike about football generally, not just about United at the moment. Yeah, But I do feel this sort of short-term manager thing may be coming to an end because there's a bit of a blueprint being laid down by people like Klopp, by people like Arteta. Guardiola is a slightly different case because he inherited a very good team with an infinite war chest. But those clubs that are now sticking with managers are, as you said, they're seeing that sort of that rotation of four or five transfer windows, more than that, starting to pick their own team, starting to implement rather than throw it all out again new guy comes and go well this isn't my fucking team and then we go we said it a few podcasts ago is this ten hogs team yet and but then you, you're doomed to that every two years like you you can't kick as, as jake said you can't kick on without that plan but i do think that the the wind i think things are shifting like the sands are shifting a little bit I'm just, wind sand see choose your element but <laughs> things you look at the clubs that have been most successful of late in terms of turning their fortunes around it's it's city over a longer period of time it's Liverpool and it's Arsenal. And it may well be Spurs now coming through. But that's, that's very, very, that's only just very embryonic. Yeah. But you must be looking at that as a club that's just fucked it completely for the last 16, 17 years. And I think the amount of change that Ratcliffe's going to need to do, and I'll be honest, quite quickly as well. Like we, we talk about um, this long-term strategy overall, I think has improved our football club over the last couple of years. I think there's a little bit more connected up thinking, but there's not many people in that, in, in behind Ten Hag, that that their jobs are safe. 
Like Richard Arnold, I think has no. Ch- I think I'll be honest. I think the Glazers might want to keep him on a commercial side of things. He's basically their new their new Woodward. He's going to be like the mole who tells him what's going on. John Murtaugh, I don't think has got a chance. I think he's gone. And I think there's a lot of positions that don't exist at United that will exist after Ratcliffe comes in. And I, mate, it's it's the hope. Like, like what am I going to do? Just sit there and mope about the fact that a shake hasn't bought United and think, oh, it's it, oh, we're fucked. Oh, it's doom, doom and gloom. It's game over, which is what some people are saying. Mate, we've not suddenly become fucked overnight. We've been gradually fucked season upon season with the occasional the occasional trophy. A Qatari taking over just with all of his money and keeping those same people in place, we wouldn't be successful. Um, you know, I mean, presumably if they came in, they would do the same thing as what City did, right? Of course, they would get of course. everybody behind. But with Ratcliffe coming in and looking after the sporting side of things, that's where you would expect him to get that kind of thing right, regardless of whether he's got a billion in the like to spend or whether he's got a hundred million. What, what do you think about, like, there's, there's one thing I think that Ratcliffe's got to get right and straight away and that's communication so i think at this moment in time there's so many questions like there's more there's more questions than ever when we're heading towards this takeover you do you think that we'll say i don't know say the deal gets ratified in the next couple of weeks or so and we hear right okay it's going through and we don't and then he's got to do the fit and proper test which takes about eight weeks so it still could be a, a fair amount of time before he gets on that board would you expect ratcliffe to be uh, quite a public owner of Manchester United compared to the sort of shadow lurking status that the Glazers have always had? Because I think he needs to be. He, he likes a soundbite. He, 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 he enjoys PR. I think he uses PR quite well, actually. He could be, you know, he could be that confident kind of owner that says, you know, look at the change that is being made and, and the communication with the fans will be a really important side of that. Um, and these are the steps that we're looking to take and, and not kind of making promises that this is all going to change overnight, but this is this is where we're going to be and play at. And, you know, we've got a squad that's more than capable of finishing in that top four, but not really doing much else currently. Um, yep. So it's about kind of, yeah, trying to solidify that position, but not panicking if we suddenly finish fifth or sixth. I, mean, I think fifth gets Champions League anyway this year, but if we finish sixth, don't panic. Build. What would you What would you say? Uh, I'll ask you. This would be like the final question on this bit, and then we'll move on to Sheffield. What would you say would be realistic expectations if we were to have this podcast in twelve months' time, uh, and Ratcliffe does get ratified and the deal goes through within the next, and he's in he's in some element of sporting control by January? What do you think would be a realistic expectation for United fans of where our club could be in twelve months uh, for for the better compared to now? Would it, would it just be like a just the structural changes? Like, how much do you think well, he can do in that space of time? Well, I suppose it depends. You've already made the point that, that the money that goes in is that just going into the Glazers' pockets? You know, is, is it, fundamentally are we going to have more cash to throw around? And it sounds like you don't think there will be. So it's kind of I, it I sticks to the plan. It sticks to the plan, but basically change. I mean, for one thing, the scouting, our scouting. What's he been doing? I mean, like we've signed loads of Ten Hag's. Look, it's Ten Hag's CV. But where was like? Remember we signed Vidic and um, and Evra. Yeah, one season. Hadn't really heard of him. It was like one was five million, one was three and a half million. That our, our scouting network used to be second to none. Look at cities. I mean, it's things like that's the systematic change you need to see. And um, that's something that Rangnick, I think, for all his faults, probably was going to be the best at doing. You know, some of the players he identified. So it doesn't sound like from what you're saying that you think there's going to be 
much more cash. I, I don't know, spend. mate. It all depends on the structure of the deal because if that if he is just simply buying shares from the Glazers, then the, we know that the Glazers aren't going to reinvest that money. If they're creating yeah. new shares, diluting their power, and therefore they're not, he's not buying shares from the Glazers, he's buying them from the club, then he might be able to stipulate, well, I'm going to invest this money. You can't take that out. I need to be able to spend that money on the asset which we now co-own. And that's why the complications of the deal would uh, a lot. But the idea of the um, Old Trafford redevelopment and Carrington redevelopment, I think that even needs more money on top of that. Because I think if you look at, say it was 1.3 bill, I think is the um, the price linked with the uh, Ratcliffe 25% takeover, right? I don't think there's any chance, again, I might be wrong. I don't think there's any chance that full 1.3 bill just goes straight back into Manchester United and go, right, okay, we can now spend this on this, this and this. I think part of it will. The debt, I think when, I don't know whether I'm right or wrong in this, but I thought that when the original Ineos bid came in, they said that what they were going to do was I think they're working with JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs. I remember arguing about this at the time that they were going to buy, get a massive loan out from Ineos, pay off Manchester United's debt, and then absorb that loan into Ineos's books so that they would be liable for the debt and the debt would actually disappear from Manchester United's books. That, that was the plan, but obviously, originally when he first came in, the plan wasn't a 25% stake. Exactly. So. <laughs> Highly unlikely he's going to take on yeah, United. Yeah, it is very unlikely. Unless, it's very, very unlikely. Unless there is that forward planning that in three, four, five years' time, he will be 100% on top of the ownership. So if if that 1.5 billy or 1.3 billy automatically today wiped the debt off our, off our club, one, as a club, it puts us in a far better position. Two, would appease the fans to, to no end. But we know it's not going to happen. So. Okay, I'll ask. You, okay, one one more question. I did like. I said one more. What would you say uh, are the priorities for Ratcliffe then if he comes in in, in those first six months? Like, if, people would love a new stadium, but I don't think that's anywhere near the top priority. I w- I would personally put a new training ground above a new Old Trafford. I would probably but, ask him if I could be a bit more successful in the away ballots <laughs> because I don't get any. Um, as yeah, literally none. Um, so that's priority one. Um, I think you were just telling me that you get Spurs every year. I didn't say I got Spurs every year. I said I had a ticket for Spurs every year. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we won't go into that. Um, No, but like, I think, I think there just needs to be, whether you see any action taken in the first three to six months, six to 12 months, you've got to have a plan of what they want to do. So in the next two years, they will be releasing plans to renovate Old Trafford to whether it's add extra seats make good of what we've already got what we're going to do with the local communities how we're going to work with fans etc and they've got to be that structured plan and then you you kind of buy yourself a bit of time because of the investment that's come in and fans will say okay that wasn't going to happen before that wasn't going to happen before so we're gonna we're gonna give you the time to do that and then each time they come out with whether they're design plans for certain things with the stadium okay this is where we're going to go fans vote what's your what's your idea i'm not expecting them to have a fans vote on everything but if they're clever enough they'll do certain things and then obviously investment on the pitch so don't just be going right well we're going to go and spend 200 million on a certain player it's what that strategic plan is and how we're going to do it yeah neil what would you say Uh, to be honest what 
yeah, I think Jake's last sentence is pretty much where I was going to start, which you've already sort of touched on it. It's I think it's clear communication from the outset, not this kind of remember that picture of that grinning goon Malcolm Glazer when he was been asked questions in that first press conference and he just sort of it just stood there like a sort of a corpse, just sort of this smiling corpse, and just and that they've kind of stuck to that ever since, like it's sort of a black box. So I think getting everybody on side. I mean, Jake's already said it, basically com- communicating what's going to happen, setting some expectations early doors and then say, you know, it, it is a marathon, not a sprint. It's not, it's not, a, not a golden bullet. To this. Um, it's not uh, a bullet. Right. La- com- one word answer here. Do you think Ratcliffe will complete a full takeover? Do you think that this will be, will be the beginning of the end? Paris. I just had to have a word. You didn't say stipulate it was yes or no. I have no idea, mate. Honestly. I think, when he puts the money in, um, there will be some more information as to what the longer term plan is. I, I, yeah. I think if it wouldn't be suicide to say um, it's 25% today and then that's it. Like it, there has to be further information than that. Mm. Um, it's 25% today talks remain ongoing about the future you know this is how we look this is how we're going to look to invest the 1.3 billion this is how we're going to divvy up the shares you know it can't just be oh, we've had 1.3 billion investment thank you and uh, we'll see you tomorrow toodle pip mm. hey, look. yeah no doubt we'll uh, we're going to be doing plenty more podcasts on this the united people's podcast talking all things united let's quickly focus on the footy United back in action. Love that. It's football podcast at the end. Let's just let's just quickly yeah, let's just brush on the footy at the end. Come on, then. Why not? But look, Sheffield United, man, they are rock bloody bottom. They have one point. They've conceded twenty-two goals in eight games. Are we going to go and draw? <laughs> Depends on the first <laughs> twenty minutes, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> we need to rename this podcast. <laughs> the first twenty minutes. Yeah. The first twenty minutes. Yeah, I'll do that. But look, look uh, Hoyland. Scored a cracker for, for San Marino before he was absolutely needing the back. Uh, Rashford against San Marino, not. I know, I know it's San Marino, but no, it no, was no. a good finish, man. I enjoyed, you, you said I enjoyed for the San Marino. Oh my bad, for it, San he would have been our Thank first San Marinian. Has there ever been a San Marino player in the Premier League? Uh, they get beat thirteen nil most weeks. I would I probably hope. Don't not. think so. I don't think so. But look, anyway, he scored playing against San Marino and Rashford scored you're meant to though aren't you I mean you're meant to score against San Marino yeah I know you are can you fuck off right I'm talking about Rashford now right let's move on the only, one, the only video I've seen looked like it was taken on a Nokia 6230 as well it was the it probably was <laughs> the poorest it is San Marino. I have ever seen <laughs> Rashford scored a, a cracker as well it was um, it was a it was like the sort of goals that Rashford was banging in last season man like he was just running at two defenders cutting sides put his foot through it, unstoppable. Two goals, one from Hoyland, one from Rashford. Oh. But did you see the difference sh- in where he received the ball? So I know the game was a little bit more stretched, but a lot of the time we've spoken about him not going on the outside and often trying to beat two players on the inside, but not having that extra person. The f- yeah. when he, where he received the ball, he wasn't hugging the touchline. He was already kind of closer to the box and the defender's already on the back foot and the space opens up and you watch the defenders almost just fall away because of the yeah. because of the pace he's running out. They can't stick out a leg, etc. But often when he's receiving the ball for United, he's so close to the touchline. He just doesn't have the ability to do that. It's easy for the defender to stand him up. 
But you know, you, uh, something that I've spoken about a few times is how much he's missed that overlapping left back. And I think that's what that little cute run from Bellingham did. It distracted the defenders so they couldn't just stand there into a group of three and go, well, you can't get through Rashford. And then that gave him the space that he exploited. It has to happen more. And I think, you know, Ten Hag's inverted fullback system is quite a modern way of playing. You know, Guardiola pioneered it. It works to a certain extent, but we've massively missed Luke Shaw on the overlap. Rashford has, I think, more than anybody. And I'll keep repeating that. I hope that that will lead to a good bit of form for them. Uh, Sheffield United, as I said, man, like, the bottom of the league have conceded 22 goals in eight games. But if they're going to have any sniff of not getting relegated, they're going to have to win the home games. And they're going to be G'd up for it Saturday night. It, it, it's probably, on paper, it's going to be a far easier game. We know what we're like in hostile atmospheres. We only just about did Burnley. I wish I could be completely nutly confident, but I can't be because I've no idea what United are going to be turning up here. Do you, th- do you think that we'll be an improved team post-international break compared to where we were going into it? Because it wasn't it wasn't good. Not first game back. Um, notoriously, first game back is going to be a struggle. I think you saw City after the last international break. They might have won, but I think they struggled. Like, you know, it's, it's really hard when you get players back. They've been all over the world. You haven't had those training sessions. I'm sure Sheffield United have got a few internationals, but I'm sure they're not stacked front to back with internationals. So it's like, you know, they've had two weeks to really kind of prepare for this game. Whereas we weren't in particularly good form anyway. I know, you know, the last minute winners, you know, it changes the atmosphere, but we we haven't been able to build on that last minute winner because all of the players that night probably jumped on an aeroplane to their training camps, whether it's in London or anywhere else. So we kind of, you'd like to have built on that momentum. And yeah, Chef, you will have a, a real plan, but overall, you would expect us to have that little bit too much quality. And uh, was it was it last season as well? You know, when we, um, I think we that was when Ten Hag had four wins on a spin. We beat Arsenal. I think the Queen died, and then we had like a two week break before we played City. Yeah, ten, you count that as a Ten Hag win? No, what what we beat Arsenal? The Queen died. Right. Okay. Yeah, and then we and then we there was a two week gap, and we played City, and it was it was we got crucified. It's what the it uh, ha- it's what the oil money does. City paid off the Queen um, because we were in good form. And Lizzie, yeah, go on then. <laughs> go on, you've had a yeah, good well, run. I mean, I mean, you may, yeah, go on. You may as well go on then. They, they they're looking good, aren't they? They're looking good. So go on, Lizzie, go on. <laughs> hey, look, you know you owe me one. I'm calling that favour now. <laughs> look, right, what's your predictions, Neil? What's your predictions for Sheffield? I think it's oh, we've got to say win. You got to say win. You got to I mean, say win, yeah. but I think it's gonna. It won't be an enjoyable win. As far as wins go, is that a thing? I think it is. Who's is Regulon back yet? I well, he sh- well, we have no fucking idea, but he should be. I think because that'll make a huge difference. I think Regulon will be back. I think well, going into an international break, Casemiro's out. No, right? he so how long? he got a, he played ninety minutes like three days later. Oh, did he? Yeah, so I think he'll okay. be fine. Keeping up with my international football. Yeah, well done. Now that um, I think Regulon will be back. We heard that Ahmad was going to be back, and I don't think he'll be back just yet. But Kobe Mainu may well be back, which. I'm not putting too much hope on that, but I'm, I'm hoping he can be as exciting as he was in preseason when he gets introduced back into the team. Um, we we'll make three points. What have we got? We've got Sheffield this week, and we've got Copenhagen midweek, and I think we've got City next weekend, don't we? Yeah, I think we. I think we. Yeah, we do. And then we've got Newcastle in the League Cup. Then I think we've got oh, who's it a week after that? I fuck knows who, who. Who knows? Let's just focus on these three games first. So City, or just Sheffield United. Oh, <laughs> just focus yeah. on that one. I would say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's just focus on Sheffield United. Look, I'm going to go. I'm going to go for a grimy two-one win. 
I don't think it's going to be a first on match of the day, and I don't think United fans would enjoy a lot of it. But I lo- I'd love to be proven. If it's wrong. first on match of the day, mate, that's never a good sign when a club like United are playing bottom of the league team. Well, it is when they pumped them like five nil. Yeah, when was that? Not going to happen, is it? <laughs> that was when we had our analog TVs. When was the last time we United scored five? That didn't they break our run? Like there was. Two, we lost them 2 0, like under Ollie. A couple of seasons, oh, no. I seem to remember. Yeah. That. So it was uh, midweek. They were bottom. I think they'd won one all season and we were top. And on the last yeah. man standing, I think something like 85% of players went <laughs> with United. <laughs> so I knew straight away, I was like, this ain't going well tonight. And yeah, we lost 2 1. We like, I think we got it back to one all. And then literally, it just went straight down the other end and scored. And it was just uh-huh. like, well, cheers, lads. Yeah, cheers for filling me with optimism and right now. And that was old traffic as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, even better. I think even the, better. On the away game, we might have drew three all. It was like f- yeah, that was three all. That was one we were two, two nil, nil down, down, three two. And then yeah, yeah, three, we two still conceded. To, yeah, that's our problem. Like I think I, was, I think I mentioned in the group chat, we like the amount of times we concede between the twenty and twenty seventh minute is is becoming really concerning. Um, I'd like to have your like analysis of a game like zero to twenty, <laughs> but then but then but in particular twenty to twenty seven is always a bad. But well, wait till you get to thirty one to thirty nine. That's when the real shit we'll, kicks off. We'll start doing some watch alongs, and uh, <laughs> no, we won't, mate. <laughs> my, my commentary will just be so like, well, okay, this is my predictions for today. We'll hit the, we'll hit the twenty minute klaxon. <laughs> <laughs> so anybody, if you if you're watching, if United score in the first twenty minutes against Sheffield. We're winning that game. Mm. Game set and match. If not, if don't put some money on Sheffield United. Next, next goal in the seven minutes. <laughs> hey, look, it's good to chat. Um, I've, got, I've got no idea what's coming up in this takeover. Uh, I hope, I just have to hope, really, uh, that Jim Ratcliffe can somehow genuinely get full sporting control, uh, prize it out of their hands, and somehow be the the man to instigate the change that we we desperately need and desperately want i i fear that he won't be able to because i've known the glazers for 20 years and i know how they operate go around there for dinner or something do you no i don't mate i don't Maybe Christmas. What do they, what, i reckon Christmas. they just eat like space food for dinner joel like, i've run out of milk again what sort of space food you know Sam? like just what like just food? nutrients like in the matrix when they had the gruel just just food that keeps you alive and nothing else because there's no way that Abraham gets any vitamins how can a man that is well, in they're, florida they're joyless. be that you can be that utterly joyless but right just, yeah. just straight up eating craft foods i love the fact we've moved on we've, we don't go for straight up insults we like we got to that point now with it we're not going to be childish about them and start hurling abuse we're just going to question their nutrition level. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's quite grown up yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, he's a dick as well, if, if that makes you better. Yeah. Does that make you feel better? He's lacking fibre. That's his problem. He's lacking fibre. <laughs> Eat microwave microwavable waffles. <laughs> Too many Pop-Tarts. That's a problem. But look. Yeah, I was, I was about to say, he's the, lit, the, lit, the walking definition of an entirely Pop-Tart-based new... Um, <laughs> it's very, right. Little Ash's uncle, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, this is a podcast and a half. Jeez, I bet you, if you if you haven't enjoyed that, then well, you might not have enjoyed a lot of it. I did, but look, thanks for joining, lads. Uh, we'll speak on yeah. Sunday after uh, after we win five nil. Huh? Yeah, and we'll be first on match of the day. If it happens, you heard it here first. This is a United People's TV and Listening Dog Media production. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.